The reading is taken from 1 Samuel chapter 17 verses 1 to 11. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damon between Soko and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armour of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore a bronze gre- he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear his spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, "Why do you come why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight me, fight and kill me, he we will become your subjects. But if I over, overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Going to carry on our reading this morning. Uh, We're going to be thinking about that story uh, well known of David and Goliath. Don't panic, we're not going to read all the 50 plus verses of 1 Samuel 17. And what we're going to do is read some excerpts to take us all the way through uh, this story. So we're going to pick up after Lily's reading uh, at the point in the story where David the shepherd boy has been sent by his father with food for his brothers and he arrives at the Israelite camp. Now, Saul and thee and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. Going to skip down a few verses. We're, We're going to hear David's response to what he has heard Goliath say, how David speaks against Goliath without fear. 
at verse 31. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for David. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go out and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go out against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. <clears throat> Saul then invites David to try on his armor, which of course doesn't fit David. David then goes out to face the giant with only five stones and his sling. And we read at verse 48. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank deep into his forehead. He fell on his face to the ground. <clears throat> so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone. He struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Sha'araim as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines and they plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. But he put his armor in his tent. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we humbly bow in your presence. May your word be our rule, your spirit our teacher, and your great glory our supreme concern. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. There might be a wee slide coming up sometime. I wonder if you think the story of David and Goliath might be the best known or the most popular story about David, the shepherd boy. Generations of Sunday school teachers have loved this story. We can get the biggest person there to lie down and draw around the outline and color in the giant and all his armor, 
And then we can count up to five and do all sorts of things with David and his sling. A big story of a big man and a small boy. But we aren't reading the story of David and Goliath for entertainment this morning. We're not going to get you to lie down on a piece of wallpaper and draw around your outline to make a giant shape. We're hearing this story because God wants to train us in his service. God wants to equip us to serve him in his mission and to follow Jesus. Don't panic. I can't guarantee it, but probably God is not going to train you to fight a giant with a slingshot and five stones. But God will train us all to trust him, to depend upon him. That is the training lesson God has for us today. We are to be trained by God to trust him and depend upon him. And the way we're going to do that today is to look at the three characters in the story. And as we identify them and recognize who they are, perhaps surprisingly, we're going to find out that we are like all of them. And there are lessons from all of the characters in the story that can train us to trust God more. That's where God would lead us this morning. So there are three characters in the story, Goliath, Saul in the army, and David. It may be unexpected, but we are like all of them. Perhaps we're not huge and tall and so many cubits high and trained from our youth eh, to be warriors, but there are some ways which we are exactly like Goliath. Each day, Goliath comes out, stands before the Israelite army, and challenges them, saying someone out to fight with me. More than this, Goliath is not only challenging Saul and the army, Goliath defies the living God. He is acting in rebellion against God. Is it not true for us? That day by day, as the Holy Spirit shines the light of his truth upon us, we learn that we have been living in rebellion against God. While it is possible that Goliath didn't know the living God and so rebelled in ignorance, we can't say that. We're here today. We were probably here last week and the week before. We've heard about the living God and we know something of him. And when we rebel, we know exactly what we're doing. It isn't the giant's strong arms or his great sword that threatens the people of God. It is his rejection of God and his rebellion against God. wonder if you've ever thought that our rejection... Our rebellion of God threatens the mission of God all around us. Make no mistake, the world is watching you 
to see how God's people live. And when they see you shaking your puny fist at God and saying, I know what you say, but I'm going to do it my way. What do you think they are learning about living together with God? The non-Christian world all around us rejects God and rebels against him. We can marry whomever we want. We can do whatever we like with our money. We can gossip and tell lies about others and none of it matters. Sadly, we find that we have joined in with this rebellion of the world. We have joined in in rejecting God. We place ourselves within this rebel alliance, if you like. And we are polluted by a rejection of God. Don't you think we need to be trained to trust God? To reject this rebellion against him and to live in his ways? Second character, Saul and the Israelites. They're cowering in terror before the giant. Lily read for us earlier, when Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and afraid. But these are the people who have the word of God. These are the people who know the promises of God for them. These are the people who have access to the presence of God through the ark and the sanctuary, through worship and prayer. God has blessed them with victory against the Philistines just a few chapters before chapters 5 and 6. They know God's word, they know God's power, they know God's presence, and still they are cowering in fear and dismay before a giant. For too long, the sleeping giant of the church has slumbered in fear and defeat before the challenging world. We have become afraid of the challenges from scientists and atheists. We see all around us the rejection of God by the world, and we cannot imagine the gospel having an impact in our city and our nation. I wonder if if we'd asked at 8 o'clock this morning, how many folks do you imagine will be here? Do you think we could have imagined that we would need to queue to come in to worship God? Of course not. We don't expect the gospel to impact our, our city anymore. But God did not lead his people out of Egypt to live in fear and defeat. And he doesn't lead us out of sin and death to live in fear and defeat. We need trained to trust God. We walk by faith, not by sight. We need to trust what we are trained to believe of God and his son Jesus. Even when we can't defeat the giants before us, God can, and God already has. David the shepherd boy goes out alone against the giant. The best of human armor and human weapons are of no use to him. Goliath was trained from his youth to be a man of war. David was trained from his youth to trust God. And who won the battle? 
When David saved his sheep from the lion and the bear, he was being trained to trust that God would be with him. David knew that the God who had delivered him once would do it again and again and again. Are you sitting there thinking to yourself, we're just like David. We can go out and defeat the giant. Really? Is that what you think? The giant who rebels against God, the giant who rejects God, the giant who despises our faith, the giant who would destroy us and the church of Jesus Christ, and you're sitting thinking you can go out and defeat him? I don't think we can. But thank God I know someone who can and someone who already has. And so do you. And we need to learn to trust him. The story of David and Goliath is a story where an enemy seeks to defeat the people of God and destroy the gospel. A story where an unlikely substitute defeats every enemy. Don't we know another story just exactly like that? When the world, the flesh, and the devil rage against the children of God, alone Jesus went out against the foe. One substitute, bearing shame and scoffing rude, in our place, condemned he stood. The story of David defeating Goliath is given to us that we might be trained by it to trust the greater story of David's greater son and the victory of Jesus and the cross of Calvary. What do you do when the Holy Spirit shines the searchlight of his glory upon you and you learn that, like Goliath, you're living in rebellion against God? What do you do when you can't hide any longer from the ways in which you are rejecting God. This is not something which has only happened to us before we were converted. Would that it were. As we follow Jesus, often we leave the path of faithfulness to our Savior. Often we turn aside from the things our God would train us in. Often we find ourselves rejecting him and living in rebellion against his love and his grace. What do we do in that day? In that day, you live out your training and you trust God. In that day, you need to trust God that when Jesus died on the cross, he has overcome the power even of our rebellion against our God. There is no other remedy to our rebellion against God than the cross of Christ. Do not say to yourself, I'll try harder next week. You might try harder, but you're still going to fall. Do not say to yourself, it doesn't matter because it does. It matters so much that Jesus died because of your rebellion. We need to trust God in that day. He has sent Jesus, his beloved son, as our substitute to take our place. 
and defeat our rebellion. The chains of the law fall from our hands as Christ dies on the cross. We are set free only at the cross of Christ. If you are troubled by your rejection of God, if right now the Holy Spirit is shining in your life, do not leave here before you trust Jesus and his cross to forgive your rebellion and to make you right with him. Do not leave here before you trust Jesus to defeat the power of your rebellion and set you free. He is with you right now, and all you need to do is trust him. What do you do when you realize that you're terrified, that you're dismayed, that you think about the future of the church in in Edinburgh and you find you have no hope? What do you do in that day? What do you do when your eyes are filled with the sighs of the enemy who rages against you? When you're afraid and you hear the taunts of your enemy and you know you are powerless before them? What do you do when you know that you need help, but you're no longer sure that there's anyone can help you? Why would God help me? Who am I that Jesus should die for me? Surely the cross is only for good people, not for those like me. You ever heard those whispers in your ear? In that day, you live out your training. You trust God. Trust the wonderful gospel which your Father declares in your hearing. Trust that the the good news that God speaks to you is louder and stronger than the whispers of your enemy. Hear the good news. God loves you. God loves you so much that he sent his one-of-a-kind beloved son to die for you. That you, even you, will share in the blessings of the Savior's victory. The enemy you fear has already been defeated. It's done. It's finished. Sing my tongue the glorious battle. Sing the final fierce affray. Our substitute, the Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of the Father, the glorious second person of the Holy Trinity, has gone to war for you. And he has returned victorious. The cross is not defeat for him but a glorious throne of triumph. It is finished. Christ has triumphed for you. Yes, for you. Those people of Israel watched as their substitute went out. I'm sure some of them thought, what good is a small boy with a sling and five stones? Open your eyes. Survey the wondrous cross again. See Christ, your substitute, has already gone out for you. And when you wonder what a cross of a man dying 2,000 years ago has to do for you, trust the promise of God. God has accepted the sacrifice of Christ and by his blood washed you clean and made you right with him. Today, if you are afraid that God will not forgive you, if you are afraid that God has no place for you, come quickly to the cross. 
and you will find a place there. Today, if you are afraid of your enemies, of those who stand against the gospel, look at the cross and learn of the victory of Jesus. After the victory of David, the people of Israel entered into the blessings of that victory. David got the sword. He got the giant's armor. He put them in his tent. He was enjoying the the fruits of victory. The people of Israel chased their enemies away from them and returned to plunder their camp and celebrate the victory. They lived in the land. They planted and harvested their crops. They gathered for worship and prayer. They lived as the people of God. That's what you do once you know that Jesus has already won. You enter his kingdom, you live as citizens of his kingdom, and you celebrate the good news of the gospel. Today, after the victory of Christ on the cross, we are right now welcomed into the presence of the Father. He comes and sits down beside you, puts his arm around you, and smiles upon you. Jesus and all in him is mine and yours. In the death of Christ, we are made alive in him. In the victory of Christ, we go out from here, not cowering in fear, but to tell the world that Jesus lives, to shout his name from every rooftop, to bend our knees and dirty our hands in service of those in need all around us, to care for the homeless and provide for them, to care for those in other lands who who need the blessing of God to be showered upon them. And the victory of Jesus, we get to live in the mission of Jesus. We need to do what we've been trained to do, to trust Jesus that he is the victory, that when we speak of him, women and men will turn in faith and believe in him. When we serve others, they will be blessed with the blessings of the love of God made real in their lives, and they will come to know him. We do not live cowering in fear and hiding in our holy huddles. Be bold, be strong. Live in the victory of Jesus. The cross of Christ opens the way for us to enter into his kingdom, to know his grace and his love, and to expand his kingdom as we make Jesus known. There is nothing more for us to do than trust God. Nothing more for us to do than believe what we say we believe. Nothing more for us to do than depend upon the one who has already achieved it all for us. Not in my strength, but in his victory. God is pleading with us today that we would be trained by him to trust him, that we would leave behind our rebellion, that we would leave behind our fear, that we would live as his children in the power of the victory of Jesus. Will you do what God has trained you to do? Let's pray together. Father, we are humbled by your mercy. 
Your grace is more than we can speak of. And yet we plead for more. Chase away our fear. Forgive our rebellion. Renew us in the fullness of your spirit. Our Father, bless us in these things as we trust you. For your glory we ask it. Amen.